This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. So in this episode of CarCast, we have our old friend Bo Bachman from Galpin Ford on. Um, Bo and I go way back to me and K-Rock and uh, Mr. Burcham, like circa 1994. It's a long time. I don't know who's been on K-Rock longer. You or or his commercials. (laughs) His commercials for Galpin Ford. It, it, it always, I, I was literally, he was inviting me to Bo ba, to, to Galpin Ford to talk to like his salespeople and stuff in like 1995. Like I didn't even know what I was doing <laughs> back then. It's, it's, yeah, anyway, good guy. He's got a good show. And we'll talk to him about that. And we'll talk about your new Lamborghini and yeah. uh, a Porsche that I have and what we're doing. First, I'll tell you about Tommy John. Oh, man spring cleaning out there people people cleaning out their drawers underwear drawers getting the drawers out of the underwear drawers now, if you're going to do that uh replace them with tommy john tommy john the best the greatest loungewear i'm wearing the loungewear right now i think they're 20 percent on off of everything on their website um underwear socks t-shirts the best the best and if you work out, like if you hit the rowing machine like I do, or Matt does as well, Tommy John, perfect for that. And, uh, and then I just air dry them and put them on the next day. A little shot of talc down there, keep things fresh. You know, <laughs> they uh, uh, have the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. It's, uh, it's the best. It's Tommy John, right, Matt? Yeah, hurry to tommyjohn.com slash carcast for 20% off your first order. That's tommyjohn.com slash carcast for 20% off. Again, tommyjohn.com slash carcast. We've got our own smart speaker, Daily Flash Briefing, sponsored by NetSuite by Oracle on your Amazon and Google devices. Easy to find on your Google Home device. Just say, hey, Google, play the Adam Carolla Show Daily Brief for your Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to skills and games in the menu and add the Adam Carolla Show Daily Brief. Then just say, hey, Alexa, play the Adam Carolla Show Daily Brief. Once you've set up, you can get your daily clips from the show brought to you by our great partner, NetSuite. Right, Dawson? There's a ton of uncertainty right now. NetSuite reduces it by giving you visibility and control. NetSuite by Oracle gives you a full picture of your business in real time. Get your free guide right now at netsuite.com slash Adam. That's netsuite.com slash Adam. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. The church big on Get it on and welcome to CarCast. I'm Adam Carolla. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Over there. I'm Hello, how are you? Experimenting with my lighting over here. Yeah. I, I put some tape over the top of the theater light. I don't know how well that worked. Now I got to turn on my drop light in front of me, but I didn't care. You know uh, what uh, you could try hmm. doing, Adam, is uh, 
having your theater just be a white screen and your your projector the screen just project like a white image and then it'll just light it and bounce back to your face you know what i mean no oh okay. be the theater just be a white no, screen the, the, if you make the screen and just project a white image so it's just like that that screen will act as a light towards your face yeah so i, I still don't know you're saying make a white screen Make a white image projected onto the screen. So just take a block of white color and just project that onto the screen. So then it's lit. Oh, okay. Off air. Well, well, wait, wait. How would I take I take a block of white color and project it on? No, no, no. He's just what? saying turn the projector light on in your home theater, and it will it will light up the room because it'll reflect off the giant hundred inch screen. Oh, turn on the projector. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Why don't you say so? I, <laughs> I know. I, I, uh, I got you. I'll I got you. I'm picking up what you're throwing down, Chris. <laughs> well, I, I, could, I would understand turn on the projector. <laughs> Pick a block of white, light, uh, of white and put project it onto the screen. Uh, so if you think if I just turn on my projector. Yeah, TV, but if it, it needs to be like a white image or like a, a light yellow image that you're projecting. Because if it's oh. black, then it's not going to. It's not going to do anything. Well, how would you just project a black image? That's what I'm saying. So we just got to figure out how to project a white image on you. Oh, so it's, it's like turn the projector on, but don't have it on ESPN. Right. Yes, right. I mean, you wouldn't project a black image. You just have whatever was on ESPN and it would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you're saying. But you're saying put it to like C antenna where it was just on yeah okay this is taking a while but i got it uh, <laughs> welcome to carcast yeah, yeah. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to carcast well i could turn it on now and just turn it on like it would just be on whatever tv station it's on and turn the sound down just to see what it looked like that might be interesting anyway i'll give it a try i'll try that yeah Keep talking matt what okay. would you get an urcon yeah, so I was driving the new uh, uh, Lamborghini this weekend. Sort of our version of social distancing is you don't drive from point A to point B. You drive from point A to point A. You just jump in the car. You go for a ride. And, uh, uh, you know, and then a little while you just you just come back. You just come home. I can hear the chimes in the back. I hear things firing up in the theater. Sorry, I did this on air. I, I realized it was the wrong decision now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Lamborghini is fantastic. I think it's a little more subtle than uh, than the McLaren, uh, especially the 720S. That, uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, there's a, sort of an unboxing video. Yeah, it's a midnight yeah. blue with the black uh, convertible top on it and... Yeah, actually, if you want to hear something fantastic, there's a, uh, a the next post or something I put up is has the gauges and it's revving, and uh, I don't know how that comes across on. Uh... Nice. So here's the thing you don't get with a lot of new cars is is that sound because this is still a naturally aspirated v10 there's no turbos or anything there's nothing porsche turbo there's nothing mclaren turbo uh so and by the way we can make 640 horsepower 
with this engine and go zero to 60 in two and a half seconds. Like naturally aspirated is not dead. <laughs> Did um, it's a Audi power plant, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Lamborghini's got a little more input on it now than anything um, because I don't know where else it is other than in, in the R8, right? So uh, it's a, actually an interesting question is, is at this point, how many R8s are being sold versus Lamborghinis? And I'd be curious to know if sales are wildly different or, or, or similar. That's yeah. an interesting question because uh, a few years ago, obviously you would have said R8 Audi, but I feel like I see more Lamborghinis and less Audis yeah. now. Um, so, or more Enies and less Audis. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I still got it. <laughs> the show that's on I'm watching has Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon in it, and she's playing her own ghost. I don't, uh, her body's in a hospital bed and she's standing over her body and talking to Mark Ruffalo. That's I, all I know about this show. I, Sorry. I don't know what that is. You should be watching uh, Driven. Uh, I watched, uh, <laughs> I like, well, first off, I, I watched uh, Bose. Oh, God damn it. I'm trying to think. That, so I watched uh, Bose's new TV show is going to join us, Bo Bachman, in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about Driven. I did watch Driven. I did enjoy Driven. And yeah. then Driven, the Stallone movie. And there's Driven, <laughs> the Bo Bachman series. And then. There's also F1 Drive to Survive, I think it's called. I don't know what that series is on Netflix. I watch it every night. I just don't know what the – it's called like F1 Drive or Driven to Survive or Drive to Survive. Yeah, you, you like that show. I haven't watched it yet. It's in my queue. You really should. It's, uh, it's done – the thing that's interesting about it as I was looking at it is it's done by the documentarians who did Amy – um, which is the Amy, what's her name story? Um, oh, come on, Max Pata. Who's it? Amy Weintraub. Is it Weintraub? Winehouse. 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 Amy Winehouse. So, so it's done by um, Formula One Drive to Survive. Right. It's really good. And it's done by the producers that did Amy and like, I don't know, some other doc that has nothing to do with cars. Uh, or produced and directed. Um, so the point is, is it has a lot of great story in it. It's not just car stuff. The car stuff is is excellent, but it's kind of like a soap opera. Not a soap opera, but it's like this driver drove for McLaren and now he's going to Renault. Will he be able to? And the people at McLaren are gunning for him and the Renault guys are, uh, you know, excited about the new young buck but then there's the old cagey veteran driver will he get a ride next year well not if he doesn't put it on the podium at uh, at the new zealand's uh, f1 race and it's just a lot of that you know like like you realize it's just a great stage for drama so the people that do it who does do it let's see oh exit through the gift shop right senna um McClint, uh let's see quite all uh, let's see uh amy right so the point is is they did exit through the gift shop and they did amy which are two very critically acclaimed documentaries that have nothing to do with driving and 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 they did 
and Senna too, and Senna had a lot of that in it. The you know the reason people gravitated towards Senna and uh, and even uppity for that matter is a, there's a lot of story other than car, yeah, that, that's in it. And so you would like uh, the F1 series on Netflix, but uh, your girlfriend would like it too because it's just a kind of this story about these guys. You know, it's like so much competition and they show the team owners and, you know, the, the, the eccentric guy who owns the energy drink company, who's pledged 35 million. And now he's, they're losing and they're pulling their money out. And all, by the way, the thing you really get from most, all of this stuff is it's like team members crashing into each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and 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 lots of like most all of it is just like they show the team and it's like McLaren is pumped and or Haas is pumped not that not Carl Haas but uh, other Haas uh, there's an F1 Haas and like the guy's pumped and they'll be like um, we're gonna get our first you know top ten win you know first things first you realize. That, and and I know this too. I mean, it's it's you don't understand it when you watch movies or even when you watch TV. But I mean, it's like some of these guys, a fifth place finish is huge for them. It's yeah, huge. It's it's they're not thinking about winning the race. They're not thinking about a podium. It, literally, if they can come in fourth or fifth, that's a huge. That's huge for their team, right? Yeah, number one, because uh, they're not going to beat Mercedes and they're not going to beat Ferrari. But if they can beat McLaren, this is huge, you know. So they'll they'll have like it'll be that you start to realize that yeah, not everything's about first place. There's a lot of life where fifth place is pretty fucking good too, and and then at some point when they're you know there's a lap and a half left in the race, the two teammates will crash into each other going into like the third turn, <laughs> and, and the guys will be like, well, no, no, no. There's like so much. So much of this shit is the guy's cruising. He's going to get a fifth place finish. It's going to get, it's going to get points. It's going to be great. And at the very end, he just tries some move on lapped traffic or something. And the guy doesn't see him and he just breaks the front wing off and he gets a flat, he gets a puncture and it's like, and the driver's like, shit, shit, shit. And the team guys are like, no, no. And it's, you, you realize that those cars are so goddamn fragile yeah with all the front wings and everything and these guys dive in and they try these crazy moves all the time and the guy stays online hits them fucks the car up they get a tire puncture and there's two laps left in the race and they were lapping traffic like there's just so much there's so much of that there's so much of like guys just trying moves on the first lap and just getting out of the race completely like yeah yeah I don't know how you, I don't know how you coach that. Like these guys are all like super hard charging young stallions, but so much so that they fucking crash into their own teammates all the time. Like, could you imagine paying for that team and both your cars were taken out by one of your cars? Yeah, of course you, 
you'd be pissed because now you're doubling the expenses. Like you're, you're doubling at the end of the race. If somebody takes you out and it's not your fault or something happens and you, you know, you slide off, you damage your car, but why take out the other multi-million dollar car on your team in the process? Like you'd be, you'd be pissed. And, and you kind of think, oh, if something happens at the beginning of the race and you're out, maybe you're saving money, but you're, you're not really because your team is still there. The expenses are still there and your sponsors don't get any screen time if you're out on lap two. So they're pissed, right? So, right. You, you know, you're, you're talking about a team that is just kicking and screaming just to get a fifth place position. That's there. You want that because that's high enough up the ranks that you're going to get some screen time. And right. And, and the sponsors feel like they're getting something out of the deal. The, uh, the movie I think I'm watching is Just Like Heaven, <laughs> which uh, has Mark Ruffalo and uh, what's her name? And uh, he's, uh, I, guess, I guess Reese Witherspoon is like his wife who's on a ventilator who's watching him. Now there's the scene where the hot chick is over at his house and he, he's trying to bang her. But of course, the wife's ghost comes back i don't know probably didn't need to see this one but anyway uh <laughs> so we'll talk to Bo, and uh his new show's really interesting he took shelby's or he took this test mule pantera that shelby was working on with lee iacocca and he uh it's got a twin turbo in it gail banks was on this uh episode it's got like a nascar um I don't know, 361 Chrysler motor in it. I guess Iacocca was over with Chrysler at the time. Yeah, yeah, working on a Viper project at the time. But uh, it'll be be interesting because I, I don't know. There was, there was some indication that possibly that test mule could have, could have had like a Viper V10 in it at some point, which uh, I don't know what it does to that car. That's a big, heavy lug. You know, when when the ten originally came out in the Viper, I believe it was all iron. It was it was no aluminum block. Uh, but big, iron heads, iron heads too. Yeah, yeah. I think wow. I think it was. Yeah, wow. I think it was a big heavy lug. Yeah, I I remember I remember iron head sounds about right. Well, I just remember it was like a truck engine or something. I yeah, think. yeah, and four hundred horsepower at the time, which seemed good. But you know, over the over the life of of the Viper went from 400 horsepower to lighter weight and I don't know, 600 and something horsepower. Well, it's interesting that, uh, the, I've always liked the Pantera and the Pantera, um, Pantera, one of the original cool exhaust cars in a world where everyone has cool exhaust. Now the Pantera was like one of the original big quad, Mm -hmm exhaust like my friend you know you think about those moves that sound like crazy rich whatever my friend todd oiler his dad was an attorney and his dad conley was the head of the like california bar for a while and i remember he always drove like a bronco or he had and he had a pantera in his garage Hmm. and it's it's funny that he they just lived in kind of a nice medium sized ranch house in the valley, but it was a nice medium sized ranch house, and 
there was a and there was a a pick and there was and there was this pantera that was in the garage and and i remember going like oh my god your dad has a pantera like, you know think about what cars meant you know back then my kids don't fucking know who's driving what and they don't give a shit but for us it was a big deal and he and i remember todd was like uh yeah they uh my dad is the lawyer for, you know, Galpin or the lawyer for, it was like, uh, whatever, Felix uh, Ford in downtown LA or something. So they just give him a car. They like give him a car, like to drive around for a year. And then he swaps it out for the other car or whatever, like in lieu of payment or something like that. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Dad gets a free Pantera. They yeah. gave him a Pantera. Like, I couldn't rap. You know, my dad was like a substitute school teacher, drove a VW Bug. I was like, oh, my God. It freaked me out. Like, I couldn't, like, I didn't think you could get any richer than somebody giving you a free Pantera to drive around for you. Yeah. And it was white. And, oh, and it, it was a cool piece because it was like, it it had the uh, it's such a cool Euro interior with the gated shifts and it had a lot of really cool things going for it. I just don't think it ever worked that well. Like no, and as as sleek looking as it is, I don't know that it was aerodynamically superior. I think it actually had a lot of lift to it. I, I just you know first of all, it sat up very high. And there was no real like uh, you know. N- you know, no real, it, it just got a lot of uh, air like, like going underneath it and, and uh, not much in the way of like front air down side skirts and manage the undercar air. So I, I don't know how, how it cool car, you know, certainly very cool, but uh, yeah, I don't, um, you know, the, the, the way I kind of judge a car is how many racing versions of this car were there and how successful were they and if you look for racing panteras you will see a handful of them out there on rare occasion but they just never did well and so if you think about a car the car is kind of like uh it's kind of like a a big block of clay like how can you mold it how can you a race car how can you make this thing into a race car so if you take a car like uh a cortina or 510 or mustang or a a z car Datsun z car you go oh god there's won so many races they've won so many races and you go okay then that means it's a good platform yeah, race car. It's it's not a stock Z car winning any races, but you know when you breathe on it, it turns into a great race car. Or obviously Porsche nine eleven. That's a good platform. They've won ten million races. When you look at other cars and you go, that car's never won any races. And <laughs> people tried, you know, doing a version of it. It just didn't work. Then you know that the platform is not that great. Yeah. That, that's kind of my take. All right. Bo yeah. will be on in a second. Let me hit uh, Tommy John first. Tommy John for the next few weeks or, uh, God forbid, a few months. 
we're all going to spend a lot of time at home. And that means comfortable loungewear. And that means Tommy John. I'm wearing my Tommy John t-shirt right now. I'm wearing my Tommy John loungewear, long sleeve, super comfortable. I, uh, I'll tell you, they, they will ruin you. They will spoil you for whatever it is you're wearing now, if it ain't Tommy John. For a limited time, all customers get 20% off site-wide, plus free ship, free shipping. Softest, most comfortable, breathable fabrics perform like nothing you've ever worn before. No roll waistbands, no wedgie guarantee. If you don't love it, they'll uh, return your money. But you will love it. It's Tommy John, right, Matt? Yeah, hurry to tommyjohn.com slash carcast for 20% off your first order. That's tommyjohn.com slash carcast for 20% off. tommyjohn.com slash carcast. All right, let's see. Bo is uh, connecting to us. Driven Mondays, 9 p.m. on Discovery. Premiered uh, this week. Hey, Bo. What's happening, Adam? Hey, man. Hey, congratulations on Driven. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I watched it last uh, on Monday night, and uh, I I thought you did a fantastic job. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That means the world coming from you, man. Well, I thought uh, I was watching it. I was like, hey, Bo is doing a really kick-ass job of uh, hosting this show. (laughs) I thought the same thing. I watched it. uh, I watched it yesterday, and uh, – that's one of the things that stood out was I love what was going on. I love the car that you guys introduced for episode one. Um, and, uh, and the format of the show going a little docu series, doing a little flashback to some of the series, but I was like, Hey, Bo's really good. Bo's really good at this. I guess all those uh, K rock commercials have been paying off for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And seriously, that means the world coming from you guys. Cause look, your opinion uh, matters to me uh, as true car enthusiasts and, and uh, people that uh, love cars and, you know, we see each other at all the events and everything like that. So we're trying to get where real car enthusiasts have something interesting to watch and at the same time have something where, you know, maybe they're watching with their family and their kids don't know as much, but, you know, something that the kids would enjoy and people that aren't total car nuts like us might also enjoy as well. So we're trying to kind of delicately balance those two things. How does, how does something like this come up? How does you start with this? You've, you've done, you know, you did Pimp My Ride. You've done some shows in the past, but uh, you've got a huge operation, a day job <laughs> that's going on, not to mention opening a new Porsche dealer in Santa Clarita, which I think is open for a few days now. I'm not sure. It's kind of a we tough were, time it, with coronavirus, but and, yeah, and then you decide were, to do another show. Yeah. So I'm sorry, what? And then you decide to do another TV show as well during the process. Yeah, well, uh, we've been working on this for a long time. You know, we stopped doing Pimp My Ride and gosh, what was that, 09? And uh, ever since then, I always figured there might be an opportunity. And we've had all these uh, crazy cars that we've been working on. And yeah, quite frankly, some fun and interesting things that have been going on. So uh, when we met with the uh, uh, Sean Boyle from uh, Discovery and Talent and kind of just threw out some ideas that we had. We kind of all leapt on this idea of kind of doing something that's different. And uh, I had done a few episodes of The Cars That Built America and, and the, the documentaries. And I thought, you know, why don't we bring in, and we thought, uh, that 
historical aspect as well as the build. And it's, you know, not about the kind of the fights and the drama and all of that. It's about the cars and the history and, and really bringing to light uh, some of the history and the people that have been kind of overlooked uh, and forgotten and some of the, the stories that haven't been told yet. So that's what kind of drove us to, uh, to do it the way that we're doing it. And, you know, hopefully people will, will enjoy it and, and have a takeaway. We want to hopefully bring back car culture to some people that might never not have ever had it or that uh, might have kind of lost some of it and bring some kids into it. We want to get kids into car culture, you know? Well, I uh, just did a documentary on Carol Shelby, and I didn't know anything about the Pantera. So, like, you're never too old to learn something. Um, I thought, and I and also liked, and I'm going to ask you where you got that Pantera, because I don't remember seeing that thing at, at an auction, or I can't recall if we saw it. Matt and I keep track of this stuff. But yeah. I also, I appreciate you telling the price that you paid for the Pantera and the price that you paid for the engine. I think the engine was 7,500 bucks or something, something like that. Uh, I like that. Cause I don't like when people do this stuff and kind of dance around the, the price of things. Like if you watch like Wayne Carini's show and he's looking at the Jag out in the garage with the old. And you never find out what the, what they negotiated or what the price was. And I know people are weird about that, but as a viewer, it's, it's kind of a big part of it. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest. I was a little uncomfortable with it myself. And that was a, a bit of an awkward moment because uh, it was a lot of money to pay for a car with no engine. And it, it is kind of silly when you kind of look at the overall thing. And oddly, when I was buying that car and it was at an auction, by the way, um, I was thinking about the story. And in some ways, I was kind of buying more than the car itself. I was buying the opportunity to tell this story because I started digging into it a little bit. And, and uh, it actually was at an auction. It was where they sold kind of quietly several of Carol's personal cars. So there was about seven or eight cars, I want to say, that was sold at that time. And that was in there. And they didn't make a really a big deal about it. So, of course, I didn't at the time either because, you know, I wanted to get the car. Um, and, uh, ever since we got it, we had been working on finding that engine and that was, um, that took, uh, nearly, I mean, it took a year and a half, almost two years trying to figure that out and actually get it, uh, to where we found it at, uh, Dick's towing. So, um, it was, uh, it was quite, and, and look, the timing all worked out because in doing the show, it took a while to get kind of things up and running. And in that time, we were able to kind of find that engine and kind of get that circled down to where it was. So it was a passion project, but yeah, throwing out the dollars, it can be a little uncomfortable sometimes, to be honest. What did you auction? Had, I'm sorry, uh, did you get it at? It was at um, Bonham's in, uh, it was on the East Coast. I wasn't, uh, I was actually on the phone. Oh. Uh, Right. It wasn't actually there. It was, uh, I don't know what it was, what the graphic said, $271,000 or some, something like that. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it's already aired. <laughs> yeah. I think it was 235. 235. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of money. No matter how you look at it, man, it's a, it's a fortune. But I thought, you know, the value would be there with the car, the story. Uh, you know, I don't know how easy it's going to be sell, to sell, you know, at this moment, not that we're looking to sell at this moment, but, um, you know, it's a, uh, 
uh, it's a magnificent automobile that I think is going to be, you know, something that uh, uh, is part of automotive history. So, you know, we'll I, see. Did you I know agree. much about the car before you bought it? Now, obviously, through the TV show and probably making a lot of phone calls looking for the engine, you learned a lot about it. But did you know about the car first or you saw it at auction and said, that's a cool piece. I'd love to learn more, but I've got two days to buy it, whatever, you know, like the typical auction format. Yeah, it was a, uh, um, it, they definitely described kind of what it was uh, in the auction catalog that it was this, you know, kind of project that was done, uh, you know, supposedly as a test bed for the Dodge Viper, but you know, there's a lot of things that get thrown out that you want to verify. Just because they say it in auction doesn't mean that it's true. So you're exactly right. When we got it, we started calling Shelby and our friends over there, started getting more and more verification. But the number one verification uh, definitely came from Gail Banks. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he actually worked on the car, you know, back in 87, that he and Carol partnered on this thing to work on it uh, uh, with... Uh, Lee Iacocca, and actually Bob Lutz was involved, I found out later uh, as well. Uh, but he won on the V10 argument. So, uh, but anyway, when, I, when you hear it from Gail, and you hear him tell the story of, you know, how this was the granddaddy of the Viper, to me, that made it especially real. Because it's one thing to hear stories or to hear people say, oh, yeah, I heard of this or that. It's another to have the guy who actually did it confirm it. And again, we like to bring back the people that originally worked on the cars, if we at all can, to help us again with the restorations to make it as authentic as possible. And that's what Gail brought in just, you know, his, he really made it legitimate in my mind in so many ways. And he's, he's just the best. We love Gail Banks. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I just love that guy. He's such a, uh, he's, he has this great sort of sweetness and this passion and this crazy precision yeah. all wrapped up into one, yeah. but you don't normally get the precision and the sweet side and the passion. You know, you kind of get one or the other. It, 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 the, the most amazing thing would be to be able to document everything that's in his head, you know, uh, automotive wise. And you would just never get to it, no matter how many podcasts or TV shows or things that we, we invite him on to. Uh, there's always a great story. It's never the same. And I know we're just scratching the surface. There's, we're one or two percent into what that guy knows or, is, or has experienced. Well, and, that, and that's exactly right. And we have uh, so few of you know the legends that are still around uh, that we can ask questions of and, and talk to. That the, the guys that were really there. I mean, we all knew everybody uh, from being friends and everything, but these guys actually worked together and were working on the cars, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, um, you know, it's just when we have those treasures, the more that we can get out of them today, the better, right? I agree. Um, I'm, you know, in the midst of putting together a Datsun 510 that's a BRE car. It was their last BRE 510. Wow. And we uh, all love uh, Pete Pete Brock, of course, and oh, yeah. and and it's and it's funny. I I literally had the conversation earlier uh, today, like an hour ago, and I was sharing it with Matt. I'll share it with you. So if you know if you feel bad about spending two hundred twenty five twenty six thousand dollars for a Pantera with no engine, I spent two hundred twenty five thousand dollars for a five ten with no engine. Oh, just so, a shell. It was basically it was basically a a, a unibody with a roll cage and a and a box of parts. 
Yeah, like the biggest <laughs> loser in your high school drove a 510. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll take it. So, uh, we're gonna be, thank you for making me feel better. Oh, that, my that, God. That, At uh, least yeah. you got a fucking Pantera. I got a yeah. four-banger with no engine. Um, it, it showed up on a rotisserie. It wasn't even a roller. <laughs> I'll take it. That's it's <laughs> insane. It's insane. But um, obviously... be in that car, though. That's why you got it. It's not about the the body it's not about the fact that a lot it's got the stories behind. oh yeah there's only one of that car there's there's um, not yeah. another one you can replace it with no there's there is uh there's like four i think there's maybe four bre 510s on the planet and wow. nissan motorsports owns one and i own the other and now i own the third and the fourth is like a baja car it's not a road it's not it's not a street it's not a road racing car it's got Mm -hmm. got a lift kit on it so like out of the i don't know i guess out of the four three i guess out of the four road racing bre 510s that were built uh three of them exist and i have two of them so i'm i'm into it but I, i i did i mess that up or did i get that right matt yeah i think that's right so so the 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 conversation I had with my guy today, who's been working on the car, is I said, what's going on? And he said, I'm getting ready to weld on some brackets on the shock towers uh, to do a, a bar over the do it, Yeah, dude, like a strut tower brace, a shock uh, tower strut, brace. Strut yeah. tower brace. And I said, and he said, your other BRE car has that. This one doesn't. So I'm going to put it on. And I said, no, don't do it. Don't no. do it. And, and he's like, and we had a conversation earlier in the week. He's like, do you want to beef up the roll bar? Because it's a really light roll bar and it doesn't have any side impact on the passenger side or anything. And I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't touch it. And then he's like, okay, but we want to respray the roll bar, right? And I was like, I don't think so. Just clean, no. clean it up and put a clear over it because it's, it's just as it was. Yeah. And I, I said to him, I said, Sean, Here's the problem. If you weld on those tabs on the shock towers and put the shock tower engine over brace on there, then a hundred years from now, when people are looking at the car and trying to figure out which one it is, they're going to go, well, this one didn't have the brace and this one did have the brace. If we add the brace, it's going to fuck everyone up. (laughs) (laughs) So do it. Yes. And that's the exact spirit that we're in as well. It's only original once, mm-hmm, right? Right. And, and those those fingerprints you don't want to erase. And even when we restore things, we want to do it in the right way. Quite frankly, today, if something was original, I'd have a difficult time restoring it. But what I love is when a car has been restored like in the 80s and just done all wrong, and then right. you can correct you know, those mistakes. But you know, the point of what you're saying is so true. That's how it was built. And you've got to leave it the way that it was for his, history's purposes. Like, like, you know, we're all just, you know, we don't own these cars for their life. We own them for a, a period of time. We're stewards of these automobiles and we hold on to them until the next uh, owner has them. <clears throat> so we want to make sure we preserve the history of each individual car. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're doing exactly the right thing. Now, if you're going to race the thing, you might want a little strength on the roll bar. Well, that's, that's different. Uh, that's what we're going to get to is, is along with this came the decision of, of, of not to race it. You know, you've got other cars and 
you have to do something different with this car, show this car, keep it in the collection, bring it out to some of the events. We'd love to display all of the BRE cars that he has at some point, uh, uh, maybe something themed that way when, when they're done. But this probably won't be raced. And that was a decision, I, Adam, I think you had to make to keep the authenticity of this car because I, I don't even know they're going to let it on the track. I mean, yeah, sure, there's some, some rules as to uh, safety and performance that, uh, that, that apply. But in some of the racing now, because the rules are getting a little lax, you know, things like braking and fuel cells, like it, it's, it wouldn't be competitive if it was if it, as much if it was completely original and you try to race it with the other five tens that are racing right now. Yep. So you keep it the way it is. I think I I literally (laughs) Sean and I, the same Sean just went on this long bow. will enjoy this story. Like kind of, I have uh, Paul Newman's 74 Porsche 911 that he drove at Sebring. Amazing. And Chris will find a picture of it and, and put it up. you'll enjoy it 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 was from beverly hills porsche audi kind of livery and Uh this had like pink and black on it like it's a crazy 70s car you know and i kept looking at pictures of it and i was like the tail was different it wasn't just a regular whale tail that everyone else ran it was a different kind of a tail and uh bo can see that oh that's so cool it's a totally cool 70s piece right but if you look at the tail as Newman ran it at Sebring in 1977, it's different than the tail that's on the car right now. Yep. And you'll find it, Chris. You'll find the just original Sebring picture of the car. But I was like, I, so Sean and I were like, what is this tail? And it's like, well, it looks like they kind of made it themselves. Like they took a regular tail and they cut it down and they put these little side canards on it on the top of the quarter panel, rear fenders and blah, blah, blah. And so I found myself two days ago, like looking through the old pictures and, and I go, it went from Newman to Bullwinkle Racing, find a shot of the back of the car. And it's like, oh yeah, you could see it there. Like you could, now you can see that how the tail worked. Let's see, Maxipat will find a picture yeah, yeah. of that. Oh, That's- there it is. Sorry. Yeah. If you look at the picture of it on the track uh, with another Porsche racing at Sebring in 1977, you can see, and I don't know if you can enlarge it. Yeah. Can, can you I- zoom in on that, Chris? You can see the tail has, for lack of a better term, side skirts on it. Yeah. It to the rear I bumper. I've never seen that before. I yeah, well, it. it's too bad. We were kind of hoping somebody has seen it. <laughs> Sean, Sean was like, you know some people. Sean was like, you think it worked? And I'm like, well, I don't think it worked because nobody else did it. Like, if, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. eventually, somebody else would have fucking. There's enough racing RSR Porsches out there. Yeah. Every time I go to Laguna Seca, there's nine of those cars in my race. I've never seen anyone added the canards to the side. So evidently, it probably didn't work well. It looked cool. And it's how he ran it at Sebring in 77. Yeah. So like you can see there's a Porsche above it that doesn't have it, has like yeah. a traditional. And then you see they've added these sort of triangles. So like 
we're taking out magnifying glasses. We're yeah. trying to get a shot of the back of the car. Like, do you think it wrapped around? It was attached to the fenders. They must have just mocked those up. Do you think they're mm -hmm. aluminum? Do you think they're fiberglass? Like, what are we going to do? And so, like, we're sitting there looking at the car, measuring shit. Like, we got to cut yeah. the tail down and add the things. And you got to mock these things up. And it's like, the why? Well, because... That's what it looked like when Newman raced it at Sebring in 77, and that's the car. That's yeah. exactly right. By the way, you can see where there, it looks like it, it's got a little angle in it as well. Yeah, it's right. got a kink in it to go back. Yeah, it it's, looks like it goes back and, and maybe it looks kind of like it goes in and up, but it's hard to see from this angle. And, but you're exactly right. The point is that you're restoring, like, look, you could pick any period of time to restore it, too. It could be when it came out of the factory or, you know, any other livery moment in time. But for you, and I agree, the most important time in this car's life is when Paul Newman had it and raced it like this. So this is what you want to bring it back to exactly. And I agree. You've got to try to find every picture to study that thing. And, you know, that that's what I love about Dave. You know, he's he, he can find six pictures and and extrapolate from that what it looked like you know 50 years ago and uh you know some of these like you said it's so subtle it's hard to tell exactly what those lines are yeah. doing more pictures if you told me he won sebring then i think he came in like 33rd place or something yeah. so yeah. i don't know if those canards were helping <laughs> yeah i don't know if those were working uh porsche would be using it today yeah i mean they're not gonna let something go like that too but you know. But, but, but that's what I love. I love that you want to slow down your race I, car. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. Well, I'll, authentic. No, I was I was literally looking at it, and so I went on this search on the internet, like Porsche RSRs, 1974. You know, I saw 10,000 images. I didn't see anyone with these canards. I saw everyone with the whale tail, and then I started looking at guys who I race with. At Laguna Seca, a lot of RSR Porsches and 934s and 934 and a halfs and like all these different variations of Porsches. The Hotchkiss brothers have a RSR that's a cool wins livery that's out there. And, and every single one of them is just a whale tail. It's all yeah. just a tray sticking yeah. out. And I'm like, is this the only one that was done this way? Why was it done this way? But so be it. That's how it was done. So yeah. we must replicate that. And then I went, well, obviously it slows you down a little bit. <laughs> it didn't work very well, but fuck it. I'm doing it anyway. Um, that's, a, that's the right way. Right. So now I'm going to figure out a way to fabricate this. But I love the fact that in a, in a world where there's tons of these Porsches out there, this is the only one with this kind of rear tail on it that I've ever seen. So I, I'm with you, and I'm also, it makes me realize that, you know, we sort of have to do this stuff because I don't know in the future, everything is so incredibly documented. You know, if, right. you, if, you, if you look at a Ring Brothers car that's built now or a gas car built, Galpin Autosports, or, uh, or uh, let's see, uh, uh, Icon Motors, Jonathan Ward, or something like that. There's 10,000 digital pictures of those cars all the way through the process, all the way through the build, and they're not going to get hacked up, whacked up, sent to the Dominican Republic, raced in Group 5 with, like, with like 
plywood flares on them for six years in the eighties and then dumped off in a barn somewhere. You know what I mean? No one is going to have to do this work in the future, the sleuthing and this figuring (laughs) out, right? Well, it's because we pretty much took cars for granted before, you know, they were throwing old race cars were useless. They'd throw them away. You know, remember watching, uh, the movie that we were in Fireball 500 back in the 60s. I think it was Fire... Maybe it was uh, uh, Redline 7000. But there's a Daytona sitting in a ditch in the background. Right. You know, they, they nobody really uh, thought that these cars were going to be worth anything in the future. And now when we see the cars that we thought were trash worth millions of dollars, now everyone thinks, okay, every car is going to be worth a fortune in the future. We've got to protect it and make sure we document everything. So you're right. I don't think we're going to have these or as many of these kind of buried treasures to uncover in the future, which makes everyone that we uncover now even more special, right? Yeah, nobody's going to find a Singer Porsche, that oh, Porsche, or looking at the Daytona. Yeah, no one's going to find a Singer Porsche that was all whacked up and hacked exactly. up and thrown somewhere. No, um, you know, the thing that's great that you'll love about the Daytona story is when I was talking to Pete Brock, and Pete Brock, I was saying, is it true that like those Daytonas all came back after winning the manufacturer's championship in Europe? And Shelby was like going, somebody give me three grand for one of these cars, you know, which are 25, 30 million bucks a day. And he said, oh, no, it's it's it was worse than that. He said uh, they took one. They restored it. Uh, Ford sort of traveled it around a little bit like, hey, everyone, the uh, the the festival of speed. Look at this thing. And then they got it and they put it on the salt flats and they went and set a speed record, like a 24 hour speed record or something with it. And Uh then it came back to the Shelby shop and it was like covered with salt and it was all beat up and shit because it had a, had a restoration on it. And then they went and beat it up. Right. And it looked like shit. And like Shelby was pissed. And at some point he said to Brock, like, just give me, a thousand bucks for it or fifteen hundred bucks and everyone passed and then he called like craig breedlove or something who had who who drove it out on the salt flats or had the time on the flats and like at some point he's like give me 900 bucks for the car and everyone's like what do we want that car for it's fucking beat to shit it's it's racing life is over it's covered with salt no so everyone just fucking passed on this 30 million dollar car <laughs> you wouldn't know 900 bucks Right. And, and, but these days, you you know, uh, when we were at uh, uh, the Goodwood Festival of Speed, they had just run Le Mans, and then they brought the Porsche Pink Pig over. And the the few days between Le Mans and bringing it to Goodwood, where where it won its class, they had already wrapped the entire thing in the clear bra, like expel protectant, covered the bugs yeah. and everything. They're like, we need to preserve its Le Mans heritage like right now like it's done like this car is done it's going on the shelf it's going in the museum it's all wrapped in plastic like that's where we are now i think they've learned their lesson (laughs) hopefully it's so true we all have right Uh, yes and we've learned to appreciate uh, the the art of these cars both in the engineering and in the in the looks of them and and what was special about the era that they were in and uh that's that's really cool do you have some cars you can talk about that are coming up or some themes coming up in upcoming yeah. episodes? Yeah, it just starts getting uh, weirder from here on out. 
So uh, actually, the, the next episode is really fun. We're uh, building a, uh, a Hot Rod 32 uh, Ford pickup truck for the Grand National Roadster Show. So that uh, seeing that build is a little different because it's all about the incredible details that go into it. And some of the original ideas that Dave has come up with that are just uh, really out of, out of this world, to be honest with you. So I'm really excited to show people that. Um, we've got some uh, cars from George Barris, uh, the uh, Red Fox's Little Red Wrecker uh, that wow. we're going to be showing. Uh, we got a Big Daddy Roth car uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to be showing. Uh, we got uh, Curtis Brubaker and the Brubaker box uh, we're restoring. I think there's you know 20-something of those that have, have survived today. Uh, we're doing a really... Uh, Badass Resto Mod uh, Mustang Mach One for uh, Joey Logano. Uh, so we're uh, we're kind of mixing up uh, different genres. So we get everything from you know the American Muscle. We got a little bit of Euro- European exotic exotic with the Pantera, uh, but then we're getting into movie cars and uh, show cars. Um, in two weeks, we go to Japan and uh, launch the bathtub, which is. One of the weirdest uh, cars of all time. I actually get to drive a toilet seat uh, in Japan, which uh, is pretty cool in my mind. So it's a very eclectic uh, mix of automobiles. And in that, um, it's, just, it's not just one car. And I think you saw in the, in the premiere last night, you know, it wasn't just the Pantera. We're showing a new Ford GT and the new Aston Martin Valhalla and an RWB Porsche. Um, so, and the RWB, those are kind of like a palate cleanser. They're, you know, separated from the rest of the story. But, you know, everything else was fairly cohesive, you know, because Carol Shelley uh, won Le Mans and Aston Martin. So we brought in that Aston Martin. So not everything's going to be that cohesive because we're kind of bringing in a, a very eclectic mix of automobiles. And, um, you know, for me, I, I love cars I, and, and trucks and pretty much anything on, on wheels. I, I have automotive ADD, and I think more people like different kinds of car culture than they might let on. And, you know, at the Galpin Car Show, we kind of have seven car shows in one. So we have an exotic car show at uh, Premier, at a Premier store with, you know, the Ferrari Club and Lamborghini Club and Aston Martin Club and the Porsche Club that comes out. And then we do, you know, we had Ford versus Ferrari on the Ford showroom and a JDM car show at Galpin Mazda and Hot Rods and, and uh Cars from the Peterson collection in the in the uh, 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 in the collection, and we were having a, a low rider hop on the other side. So my point is, like, we bring in all car cultures together, and uh, what we find is the people that you know normally go to exotic car shows. How often do they go to a low rider hop? Well, pretty much never, but they can do that at the Gar- Galpin car show, and that's what we're trying to bring in as well. And it's amazing how well everybody gets along, because we might have our own genre that we love but we appreciate that other people love cars as well. And it's, it's about bringing everyone together in the car community and showing maybe what they might not be their number one love, but heck it's a car and it's car culture and uh, check it out because it might be more interesting than you intentionally, <laughs> intentionally thought. So that's kind of the idea is bringing car culture together uh, and showing it to the world and hopefully getting some more car fans in there and hopefully uh, making some kids uh, in the in the real car fanatics as well. So if we can do that and bring back the pride of people working with their hands too, 
That, that yeah. to me is really important. Um, so if we can do that, well, then we've accomplished something. A good uh, note to go out on. Uh, I'll tease this last one because I'm curious how many episodes you guys are are doing. I'm, I'm, uh, it's just uh, for selfish reasons. I'm enjoying it. Eight in the can. Eight in the can. Eight. All right. Let me hit uh, Geico. Do you own? Do you rent? Well, you probably do one or the other and uh, you get you got insurance. So why don't you bundle with Geico? You can take your homeowners, your renters insurance, along with your auto policy and put them together. Save a bunch of money at Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico.com. Geico makes it easy at Geico.com to bundle. All right, let's see. Obviously, uh, Driven Mondays, 9 p.m. Discovery will be watching. Oh, I got Check your local listings. That. They said 9 p.m. and it was at every other time, but thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll be, uh, I'll be watching that. Uh, GalpinAutosports.com. Is it sports with an S? It is sports with an S. Okay. Uh, so uh, you can go to the website and see uh, anything you want to see over there. Twitter at uh, Bo Bachman as well. Uh, you can go to uh, Chassis, our website, C-H-A-S-S-Y, and uh, get a Blu-ray of the Shelby Dock or Uppity or any of our car. We have tons of car movies on there. We curate them as well. Or get a poster or T-shirt or whatever you want over there. Go to AdamCrolla.com for all you need for uh, me doing stuff. Matt, what do you got? You know, I'm going to take that picture of the Porsche with the with the side skirts on that wing and put it up on social media when this show posts. And if anybody has more information about that wing, definitely give us a shout out. So look, uh, look for a car cast show and moderator on social media for that photo. And if anyone, if, anyone, if anyone can find another picture of another Porsche with that. Now, here's the caveat. That car got sold and ended up racing tons of races with like bullwinkle racing so you're going to see blue versions of that car but that's the same car yeah that's not that's that's not a new car so we'll try to figure that out someone will satisfy us i'm hoping thanks bo we appreciate it thank you adam thank you matt you guys are the best thanks mazel tov and uh once again great job hosting driven which i will be watching so until next time adam crow for bo bachman and matt the moderator deandra saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel for the latest updates and call-in times follow the show on facebook twitter and instagram at carcast show if you'd like to write in fill out the form on carcastshow.com and don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own, do you rent? Well, you probably own or rent. Sure you do. If you're listening to this, how about you bundle those policies with your auto policy? Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners and renters insurance along with your auto policies. Good thing. And uh, saves a bunch of time, saves a bunch of money. So just go to Geico.com, get a quote, see just how much you could be saving. Geico makes it easy to bundle. That's Geico, Geico.com. 
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.